Hi, welcome to the second part of The First Heretic. I'm Carolyn, and today I'm here with Austin again. Hey, it'll be exciting. It's going to be really exciting. It's been a while since the first part, but man. It has. I'm also surprised to be here with Carolyn. It's never, it's never been a thing before, has it? I don't know. I mean, it's Carol. I mean, theoretically, it's Caroline, but nobody can pronounce it, so I'm just something. Caroline? Caroline. Caroline. Eh, good enough. Let's stick with Carol. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know if this was your like book reading professional persona. Uh, I, I don't know if I have a professional persona. I feel like if I had a professional persona, I would not read nerd books, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, again, those books are just too much fun not to read. They're good times. Even if you don't like the, like, even if you're know nothing about the setting for the most part they're just good reads yeah these books got me mostly into any of the hobby because i judge hobbies by what books they came out of so if the books if i don't enjoy the books i will not get into the hobby even if the hobby was there first yeah even then i mean i expect a good i i i want books i love books that's fair so we ended with lorgar Len, um, putting down the tarot cards and reading his destiny. Yep, he gonna go on a pilgrimage to find where gods and mortals meet. Yeah, and matching the title of the part two is Pilgrimage. And it's... <laughs> it is a good part. Not so, I don't think this book has any weak parts. No, no, that was a, the oof of, man, do they make some bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. And find out some horrible things. But, I mean... It is the truth. Yeah. Truth sucks, man. Yeah, don't, don't ask for the truth if you're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like the last time we start in the book with a little chapter out of Sirene's book. Yes, her The Pilgrimage. Um, which I've always wondered, like, how many people are reading this book? Like... Was this just something that got circulated among the Legion? Did it get a bigger audience than that? I would assume it has just been the word, word bearers. Otherwise, wouldn't have somebody figured stuff out? One could hope. But there's some really screwed up mortal units by the end of the Horus Heresy, so... Who knows? Of course. Of course. I mean, everybody is kind of screwed up anyways, but... That's true. Uh, so yeah, she starts off... And she, it's pretty much like an overview of what they were trying to get out of the pilgrimage and why they went. Um, and sort of foreshadows all the various things that we're going to get into. Uh, and it's not good. Um, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be into those books if you're here for a happy ending. It's true. The prime, Happy endings are for Star Trek, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, it's and she, she describes it straight up that the pilgrimage is, you know, the greatest tragedy of the word bearer's legion. Yeah. Um, and she's not wrong. Like, because you got to remember at this point, the word bearers aren't like, oh, well, the emperor's not a god, therefore the gods that do exist must demand like 
human sacrifice and drinking of blood and the like fucking up of everything. No, no, they want to figure it out. They want to know the truth. Yeah, and as far as they know, the truth could be, you know, Buddha's oneness of all peoples and all races and all species. Like, it could have been a super nice, you know, loving truth. And they would have been on that just as hard. It could have been the flying spaghetti monster, but it, well, we'll get to it. They we'll wish it was just... <laughs> Oh, we all wish that. Wouldn't it be great? Oh. Uh, and the other hand, it would take a lot away from other books, so. I mean, if you want to make a demon army, you could probably have one, you know, Demons of the Ruin Storm, Flying Spaghetti Monster. Yeah, but I would want to use real tomato sauce, and I don't know how long that will last. True, but you'd have the joy of being able to eat your army as it was destroyed <laughs> on the table. And there's something to be said for that. that that's a goal. We're, one day we're going to make a special with edible armies. <laughs> So the first, I, I, huh? like, I was about to, I was about to say something like, "Oh, we can't get down an edible army rabbit hole. We'll be here for days." Um, <laughs> yeah, but the the key takeaway for this, for me, besides sort of uh, the primordial truth thing, is she talks about this nightmare that she's had. Yes, since she was a little little kid, that she's in a blackened room, uh, blind. Uh, and she's just sitting there in silence, listening to a monster breathe. And she saw, she goes, where's the line between prescience and fantasy, between prophecy and a child's imagination? Uh, the answer is simple. Prophecies come true. So you start this with a little bit of foreboding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, gotta say, her dream wasn't wrong. Eventually she just couldn't see anymore. Yeah. Then the question comes, well, is she going to just sit hearing monsters breathe? We'll find out, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And we start with a great sentence. Seven yeah. lay dead at a creature's feet. Safen, Safen. Safen, Safen, either way. Safen lay dead at a creature's feet. It is a good starter. Yeah. And it's, well... <laughs> Not a good start for literally any word bearer that we've met at this point. Any named word bearer, yeah. Yeah, like all all the named word bearers you've actually grown to like, because nobody likes Erebus, nobody likes friggin' Corferon. They're not here. No. But the core squad The ones you actually which are actually good people, well, post humans, as good as they can get. Yeah. They all die. Here. Yep. Now, just the description is very graphic, but it's also very understandable because it's or well, yeah. I just I just love it. You don't know what happened. There is no description of who does it. There's only a description how poor Safen gets killed, and Argatal watches it, and then whatever just killed his friend goes ahead to kill Argatal, trailing. Him. Mm -hmm. And you don't, like like she said, you have no idea what's happening. You have no idea what this thing is, what's going on. Just a bunch of shenanigans of murder and mayhem and possibly possession. Yeah. But, um... Yes, one of my kind. It comes for you. Yeah. So it's a bunch of nasty, kind of a couple of pages of just describing how exactly horribly wrong things have gone for Argyll Tall. Um, like, his rubs get crushed, his hearts get burst, 
Um, and he's telling this thing, like, this is not what my Primarch wanted. And uh, right before the thing kills him, the thing goes, this is exactly what Lorgar wanted. This is the truth. And then he dies. And the last thing he sees is Satan twitching, rising from the deck yeah. and struggling limbs. Yeah, so part two, not, not starting off on a good note. Don't read it at night if you're not, like, that's not a good night story. Yeah. Uh, and then Arkeltal wakes back up. Yeah. And everybody wakes back up. But he was the last one to wake up, which makes sense. He was the last one to get killed, at least that's what it sounds like. But he also wakes awake, wakes up after everybody else. Yeah, and they they know the de- like the thing. Like it, it's a demon. They they call it a demon at this point. Uh, Ingathel. Yeah, where is Ingathel? Because Ingathel apparently disappeared. Yeah, he's gone. Argeltal calls him a demon, but isn't quite. You know, he's an Imperial Truth Space Marine. He's not like pleased by that word. Nope. But yeah, everybody sort of gets up going. What the hell just happened? And let's just say... We need to go home. And none of them are in a great condition. They wake up, they are throwing up, they feel horrible. I mean, everybody just died. But they didn't die, did they? Because everybody... Well, most of the people are back up again. Well, most of the space marines wake up again. All the humans are dead. Every single human on the deck is dead. Yeah. And uh, at this point, you find out that... They aren't on kind of the their company's normal... Yeah, they're not on their normal ship. Uh, they're on a destroyer called Orpheus Lament. And uh, destroyers are significantly smaller than the sort of ship they were on before. They're actually the smallest size warship that the Imperium has that can still travel in the warp and do warpy things. Uh, so it's got you know just under a 1,000 regular humans as crew, uh, and has a hundred space marines on it. Well, yes, too. And of these hundreds, hundred space marines, 97 of them are still alive. All the humans are dead. And it kind of makes me wonder what the deal was with those other three marine marines that like were killed in this moment. But I mean, maybe not all of them were considered worthy by the demons. Yeah. Or maybe they decided, like, they, they fought too hard against possession. Yeah, or they were just not a good match. It's kind of hard to say. Yeah, maybe some demons got a little overzealous and just ripped them apart instead of killing them however they killed the other 97. Or the gene seed and those space marines was not fitting enough. Because we know, we notice the gene seed of Logar just makes everybody more... Well, I can't remember if the, was this already in this part or not yet. What? Oh, that that uh, the gene seed makes them more like apt to believe things. No, they are more. They believe more in Lorgar. They are extremely bound to him. Yeah. But potentially not each. Maybe there were some of them who just were not strong enough tied down to Lorgar. I mean, that's true. They certainly like during the whole Great Crusade. There's a. Like, the requirements are less stringent to be a space marine yep. than they are in the 41st millenniums. Just lack the mental fortitude to be killed, possessed by a demon, and then wake up again. And still... And who can blame them? I, yeah, I, I, I don't... I, I, I'm just glad I'm not on this ship. Oh, also, Argatol's blades are broken. 
Oh, uh, yeah, which is a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. Those were nice blades. They were cool and part of him, and now he doesn't have, like, a signature weapon. Yep. The sad day. Um, but Argel Tall seems to be the only one that realizes something has gone horribly wrong. Like, everybody realizes something bad has happened. Yeah, he's the only one who's like, yeah, this is not okay. Say from the hunter is like, oh, no, no, those humans, they were the prize. They're fine. Yeah. We, we're totally meant to pay with them. And Argel Tall's like, you realize we all died, right? Like, I felt myself die. I saw you die. Yeah. And Zafin's just like, nah, that's not a big deal. Let's yeah. just carry on. Malnor. Like, Malnor's like, yeah, bro. we were just a few minutes unconscious. Because uh, every dead human on board, he, they are also decayed decaying even though at the moment Argotol died safe and woke back up so they were probably dead for a few seconds at most theoretically maybe a minute it's kind of i don't know how long Argotol took dying yeah but let's just say time is real sketchy in there yeah uh time is real sketchy in there because Jesus. Yeah, they, and they saw the time. They were they were dead or unconscious for a few minutes and not more. But every human on board is absolutely dead and they look are de- decaying for a while. Yep. Uh, and eventually they make their way to the bridge and realize that, like, you know, with the navigator dead, everybody dead, except for the space marines, it'll be about three months to fly out of the, the nebula they're in uh, just under like normal impulse flight. Yeah, they only have to maneuvering thrusters, nothing else. Yeah, which is not good. Oh, what's also interesting is how the people died. Oh, yeah, yeah. They just died in pain. The only thing, they it looks like the only thing they felt was pain. So probably not even anybody or anything came up to them to kill them. They just died from pain. Yeah. Okay. They're not worthy to get killed one by one by one demon. Nope. They, and they had all the blood removed from their bodies somehow. Yep. Which also, it doesn't explain it now, but I guess they didn't bother looking into m- much to it. Yeah. In the end, a dead human is a dead human. Does it really matter how they died? They're dead. Yeah. And they all know that at least for what happened to the humans, it was something weird that they weren't expecting. And they just seem to accept that, like, whatever happened to them, we're not really going to be able to figure this out right now. Yeah, we won't worry. And so Argyle Tall is like, hey, get us out of here. And then it cuts a little bit uh, to describing how Orpheo's Lament comes out of... The Warp Storm. Wherever the hell they were. Um, and it's just beat to crap. It looks horrible. And the people... Everybody who is able to re when when um, Deep Profundness is able to re-establish contact with De- with Orpheus Lament, they are shocked and surprised, cause for them, it was maybe five minutes. Yeah, yeah, I think they say it. It, it wasn't even an hour. They give an exact time in here somewhere, but yeah, it's like five minutes. You return to us less than a minute after your departure. Oh, sorry. it's less than a minute. But for Argotol, it has been, for Argotol and his guys, it has been seven months. They were traveling lost in space with emergency thrusters 
no power apart from the color field and it took them seven months to come back out yeah but it has not even been a minute on the outside and this is where being on such a small ship turns out to have been a really really bad idea because uh, there was less than a thousand humans on it and they just ate all the humans yeah seven months they lost all the water when the water tanks ruptured so they were drinking promethium and weapon oils and engine coolant because they're marines and can do that in a pinch and uh they've been drinking each other's blood to stay alive we've been killing each other yeah and it doesn't seem to be one of those you know in extremists oh brother i'm going to give my life and like you kill me so that the rest of you can live now they've been straight up like hunting each other oh. through the ship it looks like oh i did not read that out there i always assumed whoever was the weakest just kind of got killed but he didn't like sacrifice himself because he says sire we've been killing each other not you know hey sire we drew lots and you know whoever got the short straw you know offered himself up or i mean in the end they still killed each other it doesn't matter how they did i guess that's true but i don't know for for me at least there's a difference between like somebody voluntarily voluntarily offering to give up their life mm -hmm. so the rest of them can live and them just sort of stalking the ship killing each other whenever they're hungry so there's a well yeah that's fair you can eat people in two ways you can either kill them to eat them or just eat them once they're dead yeah uh, and then you find out uh that they were in the eye of terror and uh Argotal is just like yeah this is where gods and mortals meet yeah and logar what he says which i can appreciate about appreciate about logar in this little, tiny tiny moment get my sons off that ship this is the one big thing he says to the other of walks officers once they're able to establish the contact and he talks uh, figures out that even though they just left for a minute they have been gone for seven months and that's what he wants first get them off the ship yeah that's fair although he did send them in there yeah but you know no, no. so my uh hey, hey, hey i'm just saying in this moment i appreciate a little bit but a whole sending him in, we're gonna get to that. Yeah. Because it's, it's even worse than we think. Yeah, like right now you don't really have a good sense of what exactly has happened, but oh boy, boy will you. Oh and boy. Boy. Uh, if only Steven was here, I would love to hear him try and explain this away. Well, maybe. Fracking heretics. <sighs> I'm a heretic as well, but I'm not gonna try to explain anything away because they just wanted to figure out the truth. And I think, did he pick them or did they're like, yeah, we're going to do this? That also changes a little bit of the things. I think he just straight sends them in. Cause I think that, that gets explained more fully as we, we get back to the way things, well, to like a normal timeline. Yeah. Because um, they go back and start talking about everything. Yeah, they get back. Of course, they isolate each of them. They take away the weapons for maintenance. They have people in front of the door. And, yeah. Argotal is just kind of sitting there and waiting and doesn't really know what's going to happen. 
for everybody else it was a minute but for him it was seven months being away seven months of not being able to eat or drink like they look horrible they feel horrible even a space marine after seven months um yeah that's taking a toll yeah especially because like it it probably also broke down just like the psychological problem right even beyond you know not having any food or water except the dead bodies of your comrades like yeah these are Arkotal's brothers that are eating each other. Yes, they had butchered their own brothers, but not for sport, not for glory, for survival. Like, yeah, it's... it's oof. <laughs> like, and they're all his men, right? He's not even just a line trooper. Like, he's technically in charge. Yeah. Everything is technically, you know, should be his fault. You're my supervisor. Right? <laughs> Bad timing for uh, everybody. He's their heresy supervisor, and it went real bad. Uh, but eventually, Lorgar shows up uh, to come talk to Argletal after all of this, and Lorgar is actually freaked out a little bit. For once. Uh, yeah, for once. he It's like the only time he realizes he may have made a mistake. I, I don't think he thinks he's made a mistake. I think he's just upset a little bit about the price they had to pay. That's fair enough. And what's also interesting, right away, Lorgar knows, Argotol, you have two souls. Yep. Congratulations, Argotol. You're a possessed space marine. Hooray. Yay. Blessed and possessed. And then we just jump to it because we are not following what's happening. We are listening to Argotol telling Lorgar what just happened. For him, it happened yesterday. For Argotol, it happened seven months ago. Yeah, it's a, a lot longer story than he was expecting, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah, and then it moves uh, to one I really enjoyed, like the, the next like segment of the book. Oh, Xenu, or Incarnadon. Incarnadon is great. Yeah, right? You get a, you get a fancy, fancy robot... Uh, in Wordbearer's Colors, uh, and this is kind of going back in time now to kind of right after Lorgar says, like, we're going on the pilgrimage, right? No, um, eh, it is talking a little bit about the travel. It took him three years to find it. And yeah, when we f do you remember when we first reached orbit? I think that's about the world they are supposed to visit it, no? Uh, yeah, so I guess I guess it is like not right after. Yeah. But the world where all of the problems occur. Where the truth uh, came out. Which, where the truth came out. And they talk a little about first Incarnadine, who is one of the Mechanicum's big old combat robots, a conqueror pattern from uh, uh, from the Legio Cybernetica that Zynu 73 it's one of his like robots in his little maniple and I'm not 100% sure if they say what exactly he the robot did uh, but he gets you know he's inducted into the Legion just full stop and he kind of annoys Zynu 37 or sorry 73 mm-hmm Ha, ah, that wasn't my fault. There's a typo in the book that calls him Zynu 37 put in one spot. Oh, man, um, I need to find this. Ha-ha. Where is it? 
212, right at the bottom. 212. And it does, like, it does weird things. It kind of censored ghosts. Like, when it shut down and word bearers come in, it's like it censors notice that there are word bearers, even though it shouldn't. Um, Zenu 73 keeps trying to fix whatever this problem is and can't make it work. He's literally replaced the robot's brain and still not figuring out what the problem is. I mean, it's not even that it's a problem, but it is not perfect, which is bad for the Mechanicum. Because this robot should not be able to recognize anything, but somehow there are spikes whenever the brothers are there. Which a brainless robot should not have, but he does. Well, I mean, he's got a brain. It just shouldn't. Those parts should not doing be doing anything. Yeah, like they're not there to think. You dare you to get do. like a little punch card at the start of a battle that tells you what you should do. Uh, and like Z- <laughs> Zenu seventy three doesn't want to blame it on the word bearers because that's not logical. But also, he realizes it's probably the word bearers' fault somehow. Yeah, which is interesting because it it kind of lends credence. Uh, to the Mechanicum's own beliefs, right? That there is a soul, like a machine spirit. There's a soul in the machine beyond just, you know, the wires and plugs and bits of rat brain that make it all work. Yeah, but it's not okay if there's a brain because if they don't want it there. It's true. Because that is, I don't know if it's close to AI. It's very interesting how Zeno is talking. Zeno73 is talking about the word bearers. Because he's not a fan. Even though he is with this legion for a long time, they are not as good as the other legions because they are too human. Yeah, they they have too much faith and not enough math, right? They are full by emotion and not by logic. They're doing just things not the way they should in his eyes. Or in his sensors, I guess. Yeah. They even call the, the robot brother. Yeah, I mean, it's full-on a member of the Legion. Yeah, they take it, they take souls. To the point where later on, possibly, yeah, like, at one point, they have all of the Legion, like, they gather everybody, you know, the, the Legion, the Mechanicus, the guys, the Custodes, and when everybody leaves... And Lorgar just wants to talk to the Legion. The robot stays. That one robot stays. And a couple others that have also been, like, inducted. They even take oaths of moment with this robot. Or this brother. Yeah. Which is strange. Because it's almost like the word bearers know something the Mechanicus doesn't. Of course, all of the things they know turn out to be terrible. But, you know, we're, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're going along. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, there, there's an oath of moment. You find out that all of these things aren't quite right with uh, some of the cybernetica associations. And you get to the bridge. And you find out that because they have been going way out into you know, parts of space that the other rest of the Imperium hasn't gotten to yet, they're losing ships. Just in the warp. And they lose three at once. Which is... Wait, is this before or after the intermission with the Blessed Lady? Um, oh, I'm sorry. It is after the intermission with the Blessed Lady. I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Let's just say the Blessed Lady has some moves. She has some moves? 
Well, she got some guy. She got a dude with her. Yeah, she's got a side piece. It's fine. She's a blessed lady. Gotta, they can do that. Yeah, gotta gotta get you some. It's a long war. It's a, a mayor, which I don't know how much it means on the ship, but I guess it's kind of important. It is a cute little. I, I enjoy sp- spots like this just because you know those are still people up there. Yep. You will never have something like this with a space marine because I don't think they have anything like that. But here, human, it's very human. Yeah, like, you find somebody. You've been in space, you've been on the ship seven years. Obviously, you're going to find somebody at some point. Uh, and he's just some, you know, army major, but you know, it's not too bad. He's in the command briefings. Yeah, and he tells us it's plentiful today. Yeah. And where are they landing, Caro? On Cadia. Yeah, on Cadia, which is hilarious. I did not know it for the longest time, and just by rereading it, I was like, oh god, this is called Cadia. Yeah, uh, this one kind of blew my mind a little bit. Uh, as, you know, a guy who'd done a lot of 40k before getting into the heresy, mm-hmm. uh, because, like, oh, well, we'll get there. Um, so they do a planet drop. And it's very obvious that where they, like, they land on Cadia, and it's very obvious just from reading it, for anyone that knows anything about 30k or 40k, that the locals are pretty much chaos worshippers. Just straight up. Every single one of them. Just alone how they found this planet. The, there's... The, the astropath, the master of the astropaths explains it a little bit. And there's something, something screaming into the void on this planet. But it's not human. It is using a human voice and human tongue, but it's not human. And screams into the warp for people to come and find it. If you can tell there's a fake thing calling out your name, are you going to look at it or are you just gonna get a heck out of there. Knowing what I know of the grimdark future, I sure as shit wouldn't hang around. Yeah. But uh, the word bearers don't know anything, so they roll right up. They're like, oh yeah, something's screaming for us? That has to be. They want to talk to us. Uh, and it's it's straight up, like, <laughs> they want to talk, what could go wrong? And so they land, and the description of the first barbarian I think is great. Because um, it's, it's straight up saying, like, hey, She's wearing a human skin cloak. Yes. Like, that's a cool thing to wear. Uh, you know, covered in tattoos, runes, uh, and has violet eyes, which, for those of you that don't know, that's like the distinguishing characteristic of Cadians. So it's not even that Cadia had some chaos cultists on it, or like a chaos worshipping population, and at some point the Imperium was like, Katie needs to be a forceless world. Murder all the heretics. Bring in fresh people. No, these guys, you know, this, like, girl, because she's not even, like, she's described as real young in the book, I think. Yeah. Who's wearing a human cloak and talking all of this game about, you know, many gods and primordial annihilators is, like, the umpteenth great-grandmother of Urskar Creed, or 
Kel or any of those other like famous Cadians from 40K, which I don't think she's the grandmother. That's well, you know, you never know what she might have got up to before all of this went down. Well, she's fairly young still, even if you're great great aunt, maybe aunt, <laughs> something. Sure. Well, they're somewhere in the family. Which, you know, I, I always kind of assumed Acadia was just a planet named the same, but if it's even the same planet, wow. Heck. No, it's true, because there, there's some other stuff in here. And if I, as I'm kind of flipping through as we're talking, if I see stuff, I'll point it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, like, yes, this is Cadia Cadia. Yes, the people on it are the Cadians from 40K time, and it's great. But there's one fun thing. Oh? Uh, in the description that should, even if you're not like real big on what a chaos worshiper looks like, should weird you out a little bit. And uh, that's the custodian is just like, man, what is Lorgar even doing with these guys? Yeah, Vendetta. They're primitives, they're mutants, they coat their skin in meaningless hieroglyphs. And Argyle Tall's like, they're not meaningless. The custodian's sort of like, what do you mean? And Argyle Tall says, it's Colchisian. And they speak Colchisian. Colchisian? 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 Yeah. Colchisian, yeah. And Vendetta, he's, he, of course, uh, they still have the, the custodians with them, and he's the one who follows ev- everyone everywhere. And he hates this planet. He wants to have everything or everybody destroyed and is very upset about the fact that Lorgar doesn't want to f- listen to him. Yeah, like the custodian Vendatha just wants to murder everyone immediately. And like you can't even blame him at this point. Like they're obviously deviants, they're obviously mutants. What the hell are we even doing here? Like you're wearing human skin leather. It's not a good look. But it's fun because as as we get to talking with each other, you know, Lorgar talking to this uh, crazy chaos girl who is named Ingathel who says, like, oh, I'm your guide. I'm appointed by the gods. We're going to, like, have some fun stuff going on. Yeah, the f- he, he knows Logar. It is a blessed name, and he's the favorite son of the true pantheon. At that point, if somebody tells you you're the favorite son or daughter of the true pantheon, mm, no good. Not good. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to have a good time. Uh, and then it sort of cuts out. Uh, and goes back, and you kind of realize that even though it's being like described as as if it's happening right here, it's really sort of a representation of Argel Tall telling Lorgar, you know, building the story of what actually happened to him on Orpheus' lament, and uh, it cuts back to just Argel Tall and Lorgar talking. Uh, it's funny because um, Logar just is like, Argatol, you're snarling. Just like, don't, don't do that. Like, can you please not actively show you have a demon in you? Yeah, and, you uh, must learn to hide it better. Yeah, and that does seem to, well, not cheer Argatol up, but he's certainly a little confused because he's under the impression that he was going to be killed after the story got told. Uh, and Logar is just like, well, maybe, but eh? Yeah, it's possible, but, you know, I wouldn't love it. How about, let's end the story? It's pretty interesting. Yeah, but Lorgar says that, like, you know, even if we do have to put you all down at the end of this, 
we're not going to forget the serrated sun. Like they're always going to be a lesson, no matter how the pilgrimage ends. Uh, we're going to remember this. Yes, some things must never be forgotten, even if they should have been forgotten. Lord, they should have. Yeah, and yeah, it just keeps talking a little bit. They try, just try to figure things out. They are looking, comparing what they used to have back on cultures, and like comparing the maps, comparing the rituals, comparing everything, and everything matches. Yeah, well, everything appears to match because there's some weird stuff. They they're going back to the last night everyone's on Cadia. Vendatha, the the custodian, is very annoyed because you know, oh, it's just heathen magic, and this is dumb, and they're not even speaking a language I understand. And Argeltal, like multiple times, is saying, "Hey, no, they're speaking Colchisian." Yeah, and just those things written on there. Yeah, I can read them. They're Colchisian. Why? Why can't you? And Vendetta just cannot read them, even though he knows Colchisian, right? Yeah. Like, Vendessa's like, I'm not, like, fluent in Colchisian, but I know Colchisian. Like, I can read Colchisian. This ain't it. This isn't even, like, vaguely human, the language they're speaking. And Argotal's like, no, it's Colchisian. It's fine. And safe. And this right here, this right here really shows that they needed a librarius department. Because... You're talking about the... the who know the word bearers or the golden boys? The word bearers. Ah. And Vendatha needs to have a brain. Yeah. Well, Because, like, I, I don't think if you were reading this when the book first came out, I certainly didn't, like, piece it together. But we know a lot more about the custodes now mm -hmm. and how they're built, like, from the ground up yeah. to resist psychic warp fuckery. And I think what's happening here is kind of that standard trope uh in 40k and kind of sci-fi in general that when the evil magician is speaking to you, mm -hmm. it always sounds like it's in your language. Ah, It's just like one of those magics that works like that. And he is, he can be spoken to, so he doesn't understand. Yeah, but Vendatha is just naturally equipped to resist those types of things, like warp penetration of his mind. So to him, he can see what you know, see and hear what's actually being written and said, but he never seems to make the connection of like, huh, I'm built real well to resist warp fuckery, but the space Marines aren't. Maybe there's shenanigans afoot. But <laughs> like, no, he's just, he just tries to fight with everybody. I think Argotal is the only one who gets along with custodes. And even he, most of the time, is just like, guys, shut up. I, I don't want you to fight again. Right? But Zaphon, like you said, God, he's just an asshole. Of course he is. We're the Chosen Legion. I mean, please. I, I, I appreciate the word bears, but I don't like every of them. Argotol is my favorite for many, many reasons. As he should be. Yes. But Zaphon's response to like, hey, we can all see, read Colchisian and like hear them speak Colchisian, except for the Custodes, is... Oh, only those of Lorgar's holy blood can, you know, understand Colchisian. Yeah, and Vendetta is like, you would delight in that being the truth, <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah. Instead of Death getting on like, the idea that maybe there's something else going on which doesn't want me to understand what the hedge. But no, he just... Yeah, and then they brush it off 
with just like, look, this is just bad poetry. Yeah. All we're reading is bad poetry. Like, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Like, Vendetta keeps asking for translations. Usually it's just like, ah, don't worry. It's bad poetry. Very artless. Yeah. And I think this is really one of the most well done introductions to chaos. Yeah. In the entirety of the series. Because, like, Damnation of Pythos. I have a lot of problems with Damnation of Pythos because it's written like a horror novel where nobody's supposed to know, like, oh, no, the big reveal is that it's been chaos all along. But you as the reader, because you're 30 books deep into the heresy at this point, you just, like, you know it's chaos, and it just isn't a good twist. Oh, no, it's chaos once again. No. Yeah. But, like, First Heretic, even though you know, right? Like, it's never... The First Heretic is never anybody's first Horus Heresy book. No, sadly, it should be sometimes. It should be. It's a good one. Um, And if you get to the First Heretic, you kind of know that the word bearers are fucking around. You know that chaos is a thing. And you've probably heard the stories, right? You're, I hope, not, like, delving into 30k on your own. You've got some friends that have like tricked you into playing and you know how this goes down. And it's still a really good reveal because it, like they don't try and hide it from the reader and you can under, but you still understand exactly why like Argaltal and Lorgar and everybody else, except for the custodes who again, like, no, you didn't think about warp shenanigans, but you see how everybody else does make all the mistakes they make. And you can kind of put yourself into their, in their shoes and be like, you know what? I might have left early, but I could have made this mistake. This whole part is just how Argotol and Saifen, or Argotol tries to prevent Vendetta, Vendetta and Saifen from mm-hmm. fighting with each other. And we yeah. go to a ritual Logar wants everybody to be at. Which promised them oh, it's... to answer. They, they promised an answer. Mm-hmm. The answer to what has been screaming the Primarch's name into the void. And I will say at this point, dear listeners, you could understand why all the word bearers do the things they do up to this point. This is the part where any sane human being listens to the custode. Because it gets real bad. It does, but you know. Yeah. Short intermission. Dimus. It was not easy to see him die. So we are not already waiting for a good time. A short time, but a good time, I guess. It's true. And then we get to the ritual. And the ritual is your classic ring of people drumming, um, the girl dancing around. Yeah. Um, may or may not have clothes on. And surrounding her is a ring of nines. What? Uh, yeah, the maiden's undulating form. What does undulating mean? Undulating is sort of like, like so you know how a belly dancer, like you know, put the classic like hands over her head and does that like shimmy. Yeah, that's sort of undulating. Okay, so she's doing that. So she's doing, yeah, she's doing. I I always kind of picture it in my head as kind of a belly dancing routine going on. But a little crazy, um, because she's doing it around nine wooden spears that have human beings impaled on them. Yeah, sick with blood and shit, forming sick pools on the stone. 
each person on a stick, just all impaled, all dead, to the dead man's open mouth. And of course, Vendetta has the only reasonable reaction. He's like, this cannot be allowed to continue. Yeah, and Argotal is in agreement, but there's a whole bunch of important people who are already at this uh, ceremony, one of whom is Lorgar, who's just watching. Yeah, and they're like, no, no, this already has happened. We didn't watch this. They were already like that. And the, the maiden was also, this happened already. We couldn't change it, you know. We just walked in like this, so, like, why not? Like, oh, Jesus, if you, if you walk in on a murder scene, you don't keep, like, hanging out. Christ. Agatol also has a pretty reasonable thing. He's like, Lorgar, sir, wh- what what's going on? <laughs> and she wants to leave, but Lorgar wants to see this because this is supposed to manifest the god amongst them. Yeah, and like Argotol's not about it. Like he straight up calls it an abomination. Yeah, your silence endorses this barbarism, but no. And Lorgar is just like, well, no, they used to do this on cultures, so it's okay. This is the old faith in all its glory. The old faith that he fought a genocidal war to end, I might add. But, you know, that's either here nor there. Yeah, you know, it's okay now. Because now we want an answer. Yeah, and then Ingethel uh, says the thing that kind of blows the whole party wide open. is because she goes to Lorgar and says, it's time for the tenth sacrifice. And the Primarch's just like, "Huh? what's the tenth sacrifice? Uh, at which point Ingethel says... It must come from the seeker. He chooses the slain. It is the final consecration. And at that point, the custodian's like, we're done here. In the emperor's name, this ends now. Yeah. Guardian spear straight at Lorgar's heart. We're all going home now. This is bullshit. You are not supposed to do this. This is the exact opposite of what we told you to do. You deserve all to die. Yeah, he He says, by the authority invested in me by the emperor of mankind, I do judge thee a traitor to the Imperium. And Logger is just kind of watching him like, the hedge, why? why?" Yeah. Logger tries to offer this custodian. Well, the custodian, of course, he tries to get everybody else on, but. Yeah, and. (laughs) This this is an amazing situation. He has. One of the. Yeah, he has the, oh, I was about to say. He has the weapons oh, sorry, and everything on the on Lorgar. They do they talk a little bit and ask him, Do you return with me to Terra and submit to the Emperor? Lorgar's like, nah, I won't. So Ben pushes the magic button, which is supposed to bring everybody down with him. And the magic button doesn't do anything. Oh no, your teleport homer's too deep underground. Oops. No, it has been blocked. Yeah, not even. It's a precautionary measure we took. Aqualon and your brothers will not be appearing to aid you. They will never know you needed them. But what I think is interesting about all of this is, right, so Vendatha has his, his spear pointed at Lorgar. Lorgar, you know, tells him he's a traitor. Lorgar is just sort of like, I don't care what you think because you're going to be dead real soon, unstated. And Argyltal says... Don't do it. Yes. Like, then please don't do this. Like, that's going to help anybody. He should have been trying to talk Lorgar off his fucking high horse. <laughs> but that's not obviously how this goes down. Ingethel just keeps like, please, the ritual. Yeah, which is a fair point. Not because 
when chaos rituals get interrupted, there's really only two things that happen. Either absolutely nothing, you know, the, the ritual's broken, everything's done, or especially true if you wait until almost the end of the ritual, the ritual spirals out of control, warp rips open, demons appear, everyone dies. So she's real disturbed uh, because obviously the tenth sacrifice is the last thing that was supposed to happen. All the warp energy is sort of bubbling. Right there. And I just love it that Lorgar, he, he offers Ven to just come, join me, just watch it a bit, take your sword down, it's fine. And he expects him to actually do it. He expects the custodies, the ones which are bred and made by the Emperor in person, to watch stuff like this and prevent it from happening. To just come flip over and lay back while their ritual thing is going on. Just just change sides real quick. Betray the Emperor. Yeah, no big deal. And Lorgar, the up... Uh, j- ah, he thinks this will work. This isn't some like, oh, I'm just going to say this just because it's a cool line and you're about to die. No, he actually thinks this is going to work. And Vendatha decides, well, I'm effing dead and I'm taking you with me. Uh, so he winds up in a fight, uh, Vendatha versus all of word bearers. Know, every word bearer in the area. And I think he kills three out of the four. Yeah, Logar, well, Agartal saw things coming. He smashed the bolts aside. He saves the Primarch, of course. Well, I don't know about saved. I. Eh? Are you really going to kill a Primarch with three boulder rounds? The assist streak towards the Primarch's heart? I mean, if you get shot right in the hearts, probably. I mean, we've seen them get stepped on by titans and full-on... Yeah, but this also has been... Although I guess he doesn't have armor on, though, does he? No, he wears an easy robe. Yeah. Like, he pretty much is in his underwear, I guess. From a uh, protection perspective. That's fair. But yeah, in the end, they, they try to... Like they, they start. He starts trying to kill Logar. The word bearers go at him, try to kill him. He kills some of them. Yeah, like three of them are dead in moments, and then he's just pointing his gun back at Logar and just like, "Hey, surrender to me. Come into my custody." And Logar's just, "You killed my sons." Yeah, covering his mouth with his hand. Like he's shocked. They never wronged you. They literally just tried to kill you. You're literally consorting with demons, and like, how far gone are you at this point? (laughs) Like, and of course, the custodes just like surrender yourself, which is also never gonna work. No, oh god, a ton of bad options. Yeah, and then Logar, do you dare to threaten me? You murdered my sons, you soulless, worthless house of genetic overspill, which is a great line, it is pretty good. And Vendetta tries, well, of course Vendetta does keep trying to get rid of Logar, and Isafen shoots at him. Yeah. Doesn't kill him. Yeah, hits him in the face. Yeah. Doesn't kill him. Uh, but fortunately for Logar, because I guess you know, he is in his underwear, Yeah. Uh, Argel Tall gets it. Saves the day. Straight through the head with a power sword. Yeah, well, while he tries to strike for a spear. Also, by the way, Ingafil was naked. 
I thought so. Yeah, the naked maiden tucked at Lorgar's rope sleeve, imploring him to continue with the heathen ride, warning off the god's anger if he didn't. Then he reaches for the spear, and Argatol pretty much ends... Well, he doesn't end him. That's the next thing. But safe, uh, Ven is on the ground, felled by an imperial blade, and then Saifen just looks around and tells Argatol, nicely done, brother. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, granted, the word bearers a couple of times before this seemed pretty eager to go shoot up some custodes, but that's not the line I would have given, like... Oh my god, what just happened seems more appropriate, but apparently... And Argatol has, again, one of the most sane reactions. He just punches him straight up in the face. Yeah, but through all of this, Vendatha still not dead. Logar tells him first, tells Argatol to end the suffering, but Ingathel has other plans. Yeah, Ingathel wants the custode to be the tenth sacrifice. Because it was faith. Uh, yeah. And, uh... Argatol actually tries to protect Ven. He tries to not have him sacrificed, but Lorgar tells him, go aside. Yeah, and actually threatens him. Yeah. <laughs> to say, stand aside before you join him on an 11th spear. Yes. Uh, Obey me, or I will kill you where you stand. And they just... That's a dick move. Uh, <laughs> there are a and, lot of things in and there Argeltal, are dick move. Argeltal gives really the the sanest response to all of this is that no answers are worth this. And they, then we interrupt again, and Logar asks Hergatol, do you believe I sinned in that moment? Like, that, that's, that's quite a good, interesting question to ask. You just ordered somebody to get sacrificed for an answer for you. Would you consider that a sin? Austin, what, what do you think? Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with hard yes. Jesus, what are you doing? <laughs> well, Dummy. Argatol thinks desperation blinded his father. I mean, he's absolutely right. Yes, but still. Like, <sighs> but but we could never hate you, Logar. Yeah. Oh. Uh, thankfully, Vendatha doesn't live long once he's impaled on the spikes. And doesn't see what happens because he was impaled on the spikes. Impaled on the spikes. Yep. And it's just like, they go right back to it, right? So they, we switch back to, you know, in the moment, in the, the ceremony. It's one of the good things that don't spend too much time about how horrible it would have had to have been for Vin. He just kind of gets put on the spear and dies and never has to see what actually happens because of what happened to him. Yeah, but Zaphon and Lorgar immediately go back to being like, Oh, this is fascinating. This is just like the old rituals when they made kings. I noticed one. On I read about this it in a book. Like what? You just straight up murdered one of the emperor's custodians who declared you a traitor, and even though his teleport home or like you jammed that, custodes have weird shit. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be a hundred percent confident that some secret message wouldn't get out, or you know. Somebody's gonna find out about you. Yeah. Wait, his heart, his heart's stopped beating. Hmm. <laughs> nope, nothing. They they don't worry about it at all. They're just like, huh? This expedition is really interesting. This dance, I know about it. I have read about it. Logar, yes, this has happened before. Corfair knows it. Erebus knows it. They know it. I don't because I got rid of them. But it is very fascinating to watch. This is just straight up insanity. I love it. Absolute madness. Absolute madness. And the madness culminates with uh, Ingathel 
rising up the ground, uh, being pretty much exploding. And then her pile of, you know, muscle and blood and all of that starts to reform. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very graphic description. Yeah. Blood out of every... I, I can't say. Orifice? It. Yeah, orifice of her body. Everything explodes and her skeleton is left, articulated, remained before them for a moment more, and it splinters and shatters. Like, this does sound like a horrible time. But there is something, and it says Logar. Yep. And it's a demon. Just straight up a demon. Not like. You know, Ar- the classic Argel Tall can't target it with his targeting arrays. It doesn't look like it should exist. It's doing weird shit to stuff around you. It's, again, made from the corpse of a dead girl, so like, it's not natural. Uh, and calls itself Ingethel the Ascendant. And uh, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm hideous, but, like, don't worry about it. You thought that angels had like pretty white wings and robes and like no, this is what angels really look like. And they just sort of Ugh. like Argatal is straight up like you're not an angel. Like I don't know what the fuck you are, but you're not an angel. And it gives him right. I mean angels are not a thing, it tells them. It's just a name. Yeah, it's just words, angels, demons. It's yeah. just where you're standing, right? It's all fine. And Lorgar believes him. Like, Argel Tall is the only one who's like, this seems like a bad idea. Stop talking to it. But no, it's like, how do you know me? How how do you think just showing up? And it explains the whole thing. I bring answers, and I'm going to guide you to the great eye, and then you're going to get answers, Lorgar. Just follow me. Trust me. No, your sons, Lorgar, give me their lives. Like, yeah, this whole thing, we just killed around, we killed 10 people, one custodian, a bunch of work bearers died for it, and then it's just, it's like, yeah, give me your sons. Yeah, and, and Lorgar even asks, like, if I agree to do this, will you harm them? And Ingethel's just like, yes, absolutely I will. Yeah, like, hmm, at least Ingethel plays with an open book, at least in that regard. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, they they decide to go with it. He decides to go with it. The, the cover story of just like, oh yeah, we went to see the ritual, and the Cadians were crazy, and killed a custode and three space marines. Uh, no further questions. It's absolutely wild. And then, yeah, the cap- Argatol, he knows. It will break his heart to do it, but he will send us into the eye. Like, no, it will not break his heart. He just wants to know the truth. Come on, don't lie to yourself. Yeah, I feel like it that's, implies he cares about you, and I really think he does I feel like he does to an extent. After all, I feel like his sons, even though he loves them, they're still, like, well-kept tools. Like, I love a good paintbrush. Yeah, but eventually you're going to chuck that brush out. Yeah, once it's all used up, sure. Probably it's similar yeah. with his sons. He probably doesn't want to admit to it, but... He and his father have pretty much a lot in common with that. Apart from that Big E doesn't even pretend to care about some of them. That's true. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's a wild chapter, I can tell you. 
I know. Like, I feel like we've taken forever to get through one friggin' chapter of this book. That's such a good um, one. <gasps> but it's great. It's great. And there's not really a whole lot left. No. Uh, in part two. It's just talking a bit about how they came upon the vessel. Well, no, that's not true. There's, there's a lot of stuff left here. Yeah, so, like, we talk about, you know, them getting on Orpheus' lament and how Ingethel the demon comes on board and is, you know, at this point, you know, like, Ingethel the demon is the one that killed everybody when shit got crazy. Um, yeah, you know. But there's some fun stuff that happens. Yeah, also, Argatol tries to kind of protect the people. Some people go crazy. Some servitors try to crawl away. But keep in mind, this this whole vessel, they asked who wants to do the job. And the head of the vessel was just like, yep, I'm going to do this. So a lot of those people on the vessel itself didn't have a choice. But And then there's a couple of fun things. Like They go to some fun places. Yes. Even though it's only less than a minute. They go to some fun places. Uh, the first one they go to is an Eldar world from before the fall. Well, from like seconds before the fall. Because uh, they get shown essentially the birth of Slanesh. Yeah, but before this, uh, there's one intermission I love a lot about this book. Okay, go for it. Go for it. Argatol, it goes back and they, they shot, look into the void real quick so they are able to figure out what's going on there. They have a whole spiel about what's going on, how the Sea of Souls, this is the heaven, this is hell at the same time. And we swap back to Lorgar and Argatol. And Argatol kind of loses it for a second. Whatever took over to him starts talking. It's talking about every sensation was new. He just gets absolutely taken over by his new best buddy, the demon. And Lorgar stops him and explains him. He knows exactly who Argatol is. He talks about the, fa the family. He's talking about his parents. The meaning of his name. All those things. And it's pretty interesting because Lorgar's mouth is like, all my sons are precious to me. I know each and every one of them. Not the fact that he might have just read a file on his name before he came in because after all he knew who he's going to talk to. Right? You've got an eidetic memory. It's not really impressive if you know everybody's name. Like Yeah. If, if you ever are famous and somebody comes to you and talks, you just have to say, oh, yeah, of course, that's who you are. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Jesus. But, yeah, the Eldar world. Yeah, so they show the fall of the Eldar, which is wild. Like, yes. It's raining, and, and they're actually there, right? They're not, well, not that they're actually there because it's warp buckery, but it's not like they're looking down from above or anything. They're not swimming in the vessel. They're really, they feel like they are there standing and tasting everything. It starts raining blood and Zaffin's like, this isn't human blood. It's Eldar blood. And it's just shenanigans. Like demons are coming out of everywhere. You know, this, the classic like demons spawn all over a planet at once. And cause shenanigans. Uh, and Ingethel is trying to say, like, hey, this is what could happen to you. Like, they didn't follow the gods, and they effed up, and they caused all of this by not, like, believing in chaos and worshipping the dark god, or, not the dark gods, sorry, the primordial truth. Mm -hmm. um, 
And at no point does any of the word bearers go, man, maybe he's not telling us the truth. But Argothal does seem to get suspicious. So uh, Ingethel says, well, I'm going like, to take you. I'm going to show you how your Primarch was born. Uh, and like the Emperor is not his only father. All those visions, it's not that only Argothal and Saifen have it. All the space marines on the vessel have those visions. Yeah. All at least 300 of them at this point. Yeah. Was it three or 100? I thought it was 100. So they came with 300. 300 go into the warp. 100 eventually come out. No, it was 100 going into the warp and 30 or something coming back. We'll find the numbers eventually. Oh, I'm sorry. It was 300 of the story that started to begin with. Yeah. It used to. You know, Angathel's like, hey, we're, I'm going to show you, like, you know, Emperor is not Lorgar's real dad. And at this point, Argaltal is like, hey, we might be seeing some shenanigans and that he might be lying to us. Uh, but they go with it. Yeah, be ready, all of you, for what we may see be a deception. And they wind up in the Emperor's gene vaults on Terra at some unspecified time, which is quickly revealed to be hundreds of years ago because the Primarchs are still in like their gestation pods. Um, and I think this is the first time in the series, although I'm not 100% sure, uh, that we actually have a chaos creature refer to the Emperor as the Anathema. Yeah. The womb of the Primarchs here, the Anathema sons gestate in their cold cradles. And he's trying to be like, oh, you know, look how much he doesn't, like, the Emperor doesn't love or care, or care about these things. They're just tools. It doesn't matter. And this is also where Ingethel kind of pulls the curtain back a little bit. But really, the whole thing is fascinating, right? Uh, any, anything from the creation of the Primarchs is just really cool for me. They can see the Primarchs. There's a whole part where Argatol gets close to Gilliman's pod and you can start, Ingothel can sense the feelings. It's like, dude, stop. Otherwise, the god uh, Anathema is going to come and kill us all. Yeah. Don't have hard, like big feelings about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Zaphon moves away and comes to a pod etched with an 11 on it. And goes, the 11th Primarch sleeps within this pod, still innocent, still pure. I ache to end this now. And then Malnor laughs and goes, it would save us a lot of effort, wouldn't it? And it would spare Aurelian from heartbreak. Is this also the first time they really mentioned those lead, this, the lost ones? Um, so I think in like before in the series, they mentioned, like, yeah, there was a second and 11th Primarch in Legion, and we don't talk about them, and nobody knows what's happening. Yeah. Um, but this is the first, one of the first explicit hints that we get of what could have happened to them. They're also there before the space, before the gene seed was built. Um, They're inventing it right now. It's not finished yet. Yeah, it's not. So I, I don't want to give anything away. Mm -hmm. um, but if you read Valdor, it talks a lot about, like a, a good part of that arc revolves around the creation of the first Astartes gene seed and the creation of the Primarchs up to this moment and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, like right now they're making the gene seed. They've got the Primarchs. Everything is going 
perfect. Yeah, it's talking a little bit about all the gene flaws and what happens. And also that their code is a bit purer than most. But then they figure something out about each and every of those parts. And it's funny, because while they're talking about all of this, uh, <laughs> Ingethel is just like, guys, guys, can we focus? Can we not, like, talk about this nonsense? Can you ignore, please, other things? Just, just, there's the one thing I want you, he's hinting real hard. And they uh, figure it out. They eventually get there. Because each and every of the incubation towers, they have a little protection set up. A gallo field. Yeah. And so, Ingethel talks about a Geller field a little bit and says, hey, you know, Geller fields, you know, they repel all psychic force. It's not just a shield to help you get through the warp. Uh, and he says that, hey, the Emperor, who wanted some mighty sons, uh, did a deal with the powers of the warp. Mm -hmm. Long before he left Earth uh, on the Great Crusade. And then, like, you know, he swore oaths, he made blood deals, he paid souls for it, and he went back on his deal. Yeah, he pulled back. It's hinted pretty heavily that the deal was, the Chaos Gods will give you all of this power to make the Primarchs, and you'll dedicate all of humanity to Chaos. Probably, yeah. And of course, this is like a big, I mean, obviously it's a huge reveal, right? That he's done some deal with Chaos, if you believe the demon. You should never believe everything demons say. But of course, Zaphon immediately believes everything the demon says. Oh, absolutely. I mean, those uh, primaries are newly grown fully, and they're protected by this Geller field. So there is something fishy already. And they come to the whole thing. Huh, you remember there's always this. They keep talking about what happened with the primaries, why they didn't all grow up on Terra. Argyle Tall is just like, man. This is ridiculous. This is dumb. Like, the Emperor doesn't believe in gods, but he's done, like, all of these deals, so obviously he knows about all of this. And uh, then he looks at the, at the pods and goes, hey, like, it kind of clicks. And he says, the Gellerfields will fail. Like, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and Ingethel says, it will fail in exactly 37 beats of your heart. And Argyll Tall's like, oh, yeah, there's, like, you're, the dark gods must have taken them. There's an accident. And, uh, it, it's, a great, it's a great passage where he's talking about, oh, yeah, no, it, there'll be something that will happen. And Ingethel's like, oh, yeah, you know, the gods will reach out. This is the first step on the gods' plan to save mankind. And Lorgar is the most important of all. Yeah, a little bit honey around the mouth. you got to make it taste good. The just keeps talking about how their Primarch, their daddy, is the most important and most beloved of all. Why he was chosen as favorite son. And that it's fate. It's written in the stars. And they do it for the truth. For Lorgar. Do it, and we will carry these answers back to the Imperium. All of them just kind of agree of to do it. And Argotal is the one in the end who does it. And what do they do, Caro? He grabs his two red swords and just stabs. <laughs> Smashes the... He just stabs the whole Geller field. Yeah, he breaks the whole damn Geller field. He's just like, God damn this all, and stabs it. Makes it in 
And then for one whole moment, he just sees nothing but burning psychic gold. Because, of course, Big E knows what just happened. He can tell, but it has been too late. Yeah, which is... Like, this whole thing is wild, right? Mm -hmm. Because before this moment, we knew that the the Primarchs were scattered by some something. Accident, mistake, who knew? Uh, And then it comes to find out that it's the fucking word bearers. Uh, But it's wild, because not five minutes ago, Argel Tall says, be ready, what we might see is deception. You know, he doesn't trust this demon, but everybody like implicitly seems to believe everything this demon says. Yeah. Uh, and like the second he starts talking about how Lorgar is the most important and blah, 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 blah. They just fall right for it. Fall right into the trap, break the Geller field. And then we have a short interruption. Yeah. Another short interruption Yeah, where it goes back to Argyle and Lorgar talking. Uh, and Argyle Tall says that he heard Horus. No, he heard the Warmaster and... Logar doesn't know who the war master is. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then he says, oh, no, it's Forrest. Sorry. Time is a hell of an illusion for a demon. Uh, which is fun, because if you you know read the first three books, this is the part that Horace sees. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see a bunch of word bearers going up, having a friendly discussion, and then breaking everything. <laughs> All he sees is like this warp rift and Big E deciding, you know what? Fuck it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It is all a bit much for Logar, and this makes our dear friend Argatal and his buddy pretty mad. Because Logar wants his daddy. He wants, I need Erebus. I need my fa- Corferum. Right. And Daddy's not here to save you now. Yeah, he just keeps talking. Um, Argatal, by right. I don't. The question is: Is it Algatol or is it a demon? I think it's the demon. He also. They keep saying we. Yeah, both of them hate Corfair and Argatol. Uh. Neither of those twisted warlocks would hold their heads in their hands and panic about how the Imperium will. And he gets choked out by Lorgar. <laughs> he calls him weak. He does it. Argatol tells Logar that he's weak and he should not struggle with accepting this. And Logar just chokes the bitch out. Oh. <laughs> he will watch your tongue when you speak the names of my mentors. You will speak them with respect. Is that understood, beast? <laughs> oh, did they learn respect? So sad. And he just kind of throws him on the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sorry, I just love this scene. For once, somebody tells Logar the truth, and what does he do? He chokes them again. He really has something with that. Oh, horrible. Always choking a bitch. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Logar's the worst. Well, he helps Argatol sit back down, and they keep talking. Because this is going to be a fun t- part, because I'm not really sure if I know who else comes down. Because one by one, we watch some of the pots falling down. But not yeah, all of so them. Yeah, so we watch... We watch nine pods land, yeah. and it's real interesting. Yeah, like pale of skin and fierce of eyes. His hair was black as the armor of the warriors he would one grow to lead. I thought for a moment it was um, the the lion, but it can be the lion. The lion has blonde hair. Does he? He has in the artworks. 
He doesn't know what works. I guess you would know. You live with Jesse. You would know. Yeah. <laughs> you would know. Yeah, but in the artwork um, is blonde. His hair is as black as the armor of the warriors he would grow to lead. So I thought Korax maybe, but Korax I thought was not born on a planet which with of everything forest. No. So it could also be one of the last ones for all we know. It could, or it could be just a you know. At this point, I don't think anybody written a book on the lion, so it might be a typo of maybe. We thought his hair was, you know, um, but you're right. The only black armored legions are Dark Angels, Raven Guard, Iron Hands. Oh, Iron Hands! I didn't even think of them. But it's not Iron. It's not Iron Hands. I mean, did he always have the metal arm? No, he gets it early, but I think I don't think that's a temperate world that he lands on because it's like a industrial shenanigans. Oh, the next one is great. The next one is one of the best, of course, because it is Fulgrim. It is. He comes down and he's already fabulous. Yes, he has stunning, he has the white flawless marble hair. And then we keep jumping on uh, to a mountaintop. A fortress still there. I think this child is gonna be Petrabo. Clinging over, climbing over the rocks of ease, his skin bronze in the high sun. I really think this is Perdurabo because in a different book, he this, the only memory he has is climbing. Climbing up to a, to a castle on top of a mountain. So I think that this is Magnus. Because Magnus also has bronze skin. Yeah, but Magnus but flies. Magnus comes later. Yeah. But it seems like the child saw him. Does Perturabo have... Yeah, but Magnus is later. Yeah, yeah Magnus is uh, one of the four. Yeah, you can, argue, you can argue a lot of these for Oh, no, no. I mean, Pac Magnus... <laughs> they're, real, they're real good at... I'm really, really cl I'm really, really sure that Magnus is later. Yeah. You'll see, when all we right, get to that. Right. Okay, okay. Then a child of, uh, with gaunt, unhealthy features. I think that's our this shorty courts, uh, curse. Yeah, this is straight up curse. Yeah, there's like he shows up and immediately has like a shiv in his hand. Yeah, he's like, ah, Ugh, that fucking kid. The next one I think is Angron, the face of wash with blood, and he screams. Yeah, and screaming in pain. In the book, or no, in in one of the Angron books, it's not. He's crying, but not because of pain, but because he finally tastes freedom. Then the next one. Hmm. I really don't know which one this is. It's a green fires. A rocky ground. Not a lot of things are given out for this one. Well, no, a jade that spoke of both chillair and toxicity, so maybe Mortarian? I think it's Mortarian, because it talks a lot about fog and creeping stuff and a pale, yeah. you know, whatever it is. And I think that's a pretty, pretty solid bet for Mortarian, because uh, that planet he's on is not... Pleasant. Yeah, and then we get to Magnus <laughs> because it's a child. Oh, you're right, pyramids. Pyramids, and he's he's Obelisk, flooring. Yeah, he's floating. He has red hairs. Mm -hmm. Everything is coppery red. His feet didn't touch the ground. Floated a meter above the burnt mosaics. So yeah, he's just like, "Sup, guys? I'm floating." <laughs> That's a cool kid. Like I'm here to help. Yeah. And I don't know who the next one is because I don't know what. Primark has gray eyes. I don't know either. Could this be... Could this be uh, Horus? It might be. That that was sort of my 
guess, but... Who grew up on a gray planet? Well, this of a wasted be. world, the air held in the taint of exhaust fumes, and the lifeless landscape was a gray twin to lunar. Like, it could be whoever grew up on a dead planet, but it was a surprising amount of Primarchs. Yeah, it doesn't narrow it down a whole lot. No. Um, and then you get the, the lovely, oh, look, it's, it's Lorgar. I can see my and daddy is, come down. Yeah, this is the one time the demon sort of interjects into this. Uh, because he's like, see how the gods treasured your Primarch? And because what happens is the pod has been like beat to shit way more than the other ones looked like mm-hmm. uh, just from kind of being out. And it's like, Oh yeah, they kept him in the sea of souls for decades. Isn't that great? Pairing him and for, for his some role. reason. Right. Just, it's not a good thing. And then, and I don't want to actually get too deep into this one. Right. Yeah. So this is a this is actually when I first read this book was the one that I could not figure out. Like I had guesses for the rest of them because um, he sees one last pod uh, and catches a glimpse of movement through the viewplate, and whatever moved in the incubator had too many limbs to be a lone human child. That could be Afarius um, and Omegon. I mean, reading it now, that's obvious. But back then, but when the book ooh. came out. That hadn't been revealed yet. Yeah, you have the viewpoint of pre-Legion. I don't. I already, I already knew. Yeah, no, I, I remember, man, because I, I was confident when I read this. I'm like, God, that's got to be second or eleventh primarch, and one of them's a mutant. Jesus, Ooh, Jesus, yes, shit's, no, shit's no. gone crazy. <laughs> um, no, it's two kids. Cause that happens. <laughs> uh, and then. Argeltal opens his eyes, and uh, three seconds had passed from when he first got like teleported over to Maiden World and watched all that to right now. So it's like uh, fifty pages. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a lot of stuff happens in no time at all. Mm-hmm. And he asks, "Hey, were any of these real?" And Zaffin's just like, "It looked real to me." Zaffin, it's warp fuckery. Of course none of it could have been real. You have seen my... Ah, and then the demon. Get your head out of your ass. He won't. He has it up um, in Gethel's butt. And then the demon's like, look, there's one more thing you guys have to do. A leap of faith. You gotta lower the Geller field. Yeah, either either you do this now. And Zaffin... Or I'm not, sorry, not Zaffin. Argotal is just like, you out of your goddamn mind? Like, we're not doing that. Like, how could we? What are you doing? Zaffin's just like, oh, we've got to do it. We've got to heed the messenger's words. Zaffin, you absolute walnut. No. Enough. And Zaffin just keeps telling, no, Aurelian, he wants it. Uh, he wants us to do it. He needs us to do it. That's why like, we got sent here. We got to do it. And uh, in the end, of course, they, they, they do it. And he does it. Yeah. He does it. Argo... Argeltal said, hey, oh. destroy the Gellerfield generator. Not even turn off the Gellerfield. No, just destroy it. Uh. But what else? Because there's one last question he asked before they do it. Why is the Emperor called the Anathema? It's because of the future. The Emperor will damn your species, denying humanity its birthright as the chosen children of the gods. 
He wages war against divinity, shrouding your species in ignorance. That will damn you all. The emperor is not only loath from his treachery against the gods, he is uh, anathemic to all human life. Lorgar knows this. This is why he sent us, sent you into the eye. Your enlightenment is the first step in the human's race uh, ascendancy. Isn't this exactly what they told the Eldar before, before they threw them away? Eh. I mean, I'm sure they've told this to a lot of people. Probably. But again, at the end of the day, even if you don't believe this is really a demon, even if it's just some warp Xenos thing, why are you taking him at his word for any of this, guys? But they do it because they're real good with faith, and this is a leap of faith. So Desperate for answers that nobody should know. Well, it is too late because they destroyed a gallery field, and then we're back at the beginning of the whole chapter. Safe and lay dead at the creature's feet. Yep, right at the beginning of the book. And this goes a little more into detail about Ingathel eating his way through everybody around. But he... Kind of gets you a bit of a replay. And how nicely he cradles Argotol while killing him. Oh, and so doesn't make fun of him when he doesn't have the strength to fight. He just kills him, you know, but he does it in a nice way. <laughs> and then he's back with Logar. And so we come full circle. You died and res res resurrected. You found the screws lane. You say it out from the eye, taking seven months to do so. And then, yeah. of course, they're like, Logar, you were in there for three nights. How much did you already know? How much did you know before you sent us in there? Logar is like, I did not know what would happen to you, my son. Please believe me. Yeah, I, I no, I, no, no, don't. No, yeah, that's, that's no, a lie. No, I, uh, I don't buy it. And then, and then we get to the, the shenanigans here, right? Um, Lorgar is talking about like how how we have to cover this uh, from the emperor, and it's hey, let's uh, let's destroy that tribe that we talked to. Yep. This like we'll that'll that'll cover that track, um, and then Argyle Tall is just like, look, I'm possessed. Uh huh. Like. That's a dumb word because it implies, you know, a bunch of stuff that I didn't really want to believe in. But that's the only one that fits. Uh, and Lorgar is just like, oh, no, you were chosen. This is my role in the galaxy. And he doesn't seem to quite believe it at this point. But, like, he's going with it. And uh, he just... And Ar Argel Tall is just like, yeah, like, this weird double voice thing that I do, like, that's just the start. Other things are going to happen. And when we hear the gods call, that will begin our evolution. Yeah, when it does, it said that this age was coming to an end before another century has passed. When it does, the galaxy will burn and the gods will scream. Until then, we carry a second soul, letting it ripen inside us. They're pregnant. In Hooray, the most terrifying got demons. Yeah, like in a real, real freaking terrifying way, even more terrifying than normal. But yeah, they carry a second soul until somebody screams. And Lorgar's just like, oh, you'll just have to hide this from my customers. Yep. You'll have to hide it from everyone. Until what? you hear the gods Jesus. call. Jesus. And then, of course, Argatol goes and talks to the Blessed Lady. And really kind of weirds her out. <laughs> of course. Um, I mean, for her, he, he was gone for 
short, maybe a day. I, I don't even know how long they kept him isolated. But he sounds horrible. And he has, he is confessing to her because she's, she's the confessor. What are, what are you supposed to do? Speak, warrior. Confess your sins. And Argetal asks for forgiveness for the whole legion. Hmm. It is. Uh, can, can you forgive anything which happened? I, I wouldn't say so, but you know. I'm not a confessor there. Thank goodness. Yeah. And Jesus. It, it's just all shenanigans. Um, <sighs> yeah, he updates her a little bit. Yeah, kind of gives her the spark notes about kind of what's happened and hey, like what if we're being lied to? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, they're they're gods and that's kind of what's here. And like they're not really benevolent and, but that's fine. Like a lot of gods aren't benevolent in human history. Like that's all right. Uh, uh and it's like, well what if we're being lied to? And they just kind of like, well, I'm just going to skip over that question because, hey, we can't be being lied to by demons. No, no, they're the most honest thing in the world, don't you know? And in the universe. Right? Right? Uh, and then there's a lovely little, and I, I won't get into it too deep because I feel like we've gone too deep. quite a while now. Yeah, it's one and a half hours um, now. <laughs> but he, he meets up with Aqualon. And tells, like, you know... Tells the tale. He's wildly out of shape and is sad. Uh, and talks about... You know, gives a very, very... Untruthful telling of what happened to Vendatha. And, it, oh, it was a riot on a, the planet. And these barbs just killed a custode and some marines. It's fine. He died in the Emperor's service. It's fine. And Aqualon's like, oh, yeah, thank you for being, like, for your candor. Uh, like, I know your legion doesn't like us, but the Custodes have always appreciated your friendship. Aww. The, so, also, Argatol gets a promotion. Yay. Yeah, he becomes the chapter master. Yeah, and Aqualon congratulates him. And says, I wish you well on your return to health. I'm glad that, at the end, Vendetta stood with a friend. Oh, oh Vendetta my. didn't stand. Vendetta was impaled to death by a bunch of barbarians. But it was of a friend. Yeah. <laughs> so there's the great ceremony where Argotol gets the promotion. Every, Each and every of the award bearers are taken up into the warriors of the Serrated Sun. They are becoming the Galvorbeck. Yep, the Blessed Sons. Yep. And then we get a little brief conversation between the surviving Custodes, uh, I guess kind of at the end of this little ceremony, mm. as they're all watching it. Because Agatha's your buddy, they're going to watch him having the party. Right? Like, oh, look how proud I am of them. Uh, and... They're just sort of like, you know, it's been three years. We haven't seen any, like, backsliding, except for the one guy that wanted to pay a mistake and don't know about. Well, no, 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 there was no backsliding. Uh, Come on. Yeah, no, not at all. Like, this 
Dizzy's rituals aren't any different from, like, Sissigmund and uh, his Templar gatherings for the Imperial Fists, and it's fine. Um, uh, and then they say they don't trust anybody in the entire Legion. And uh, no. Aqualon's like, well, I, like, I trust Argel Tall. Like, well, one warrior in an entire Legion, he's the only one I trust. And that's the problem. And, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. And the, the chapter ends how it began, I think. Yep, another yep. another excerpt from the pilgrimage. It is Serene again. It was a lie, of course. Because Lorgar says, I'm going to fly back to the Imperium. But no, what he does is he takes his vessel and just flies into the eye to see the same thing. Like, why did he even bother sending his sons in? But he does it. I mean, just wanted to make sure that everything was fine before he did it. Uh, and some weird stuff happens while he's in the eye. Uh, word bearers come to her with weird dreams that it's kind of implied or they're seeing visions of what Lorgar is seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lorgar is wandering around demon worlds where the oceans are boiling blood. You know, heavenly cities of clanking black steel. They get a vision of the entire legion in the colors of the Galvor back, uh, waging war before, before the gates of a golden palace. Yeah. Uh, the emperor, the Imperium's demise, uh, which is yet again, I think chaos using visions of the 40 K Imperium to get all the traitor primarchs to rebel against the emperor to stop that future. When in fact it causes it. Um, and they burn Cadia. Yeah. The tribes were destroyed by Agatha's own command. <laughs> uh, and ready to be seed of a colonist in the future. It could also yep. be that all of the Cadians are a new batch of people, but because the eye is right above them, they also turn purple. Maybe it's a Maybe. being born thing. But you, they do it from orbit. That's the thing. You yep. can't, right? Like So you can't like commit genocide or genocide from orbit, right? There's always that one guy that runs off and hides recidivism. Um, but then she talks about, uh, how Argel tall only ever made one mistake. And that was becoming buddies with Aquilon. Yeah. He became a brother to the one man he knew he must eventually betray. And that ends it. That's it for part two. Which is is really my favorite part of the whole book. Yeah. Because it's got so many, like, reveals and weird stuff's going on that matters, you know, immensely for the entire series. Yeah. The whole heresy. And it's all in First Heretic. Because part two. it is the truth. This, well, those were, guys were the First Heretics. We found yep. the true First Heretic. It's just so nice. And, and it was zapping that bastard. As a lot, just love those what-if scenarios. What if the demons would not have brought them there? Would somebody else have gone there to explode the Valor Field? Because it happened, so... It is... I do normally don't it enjoy happened. time traveling as much, but... Here, eh, it works. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, is that... Uh, there, there's so much good stuff. Like it, 
for God's sake, read this book. Please. It's real good. Read it. There's so much shenanigans going on. If you haven't read it yet, read it. If you read it before and you listen to this just because, why not? Read it again. If you're currently reading yes. it and reading, or uh, <laughs> like, finish reading keep, it keep reading and it. start again from the beginning and read it again. Well, I mean, maybe don't read it twice in a row. There's a bunch of other good books, but like, read it. Oh no, no, read it twice uh, in a row. Especially, especially if you haven't, if you did read it like years and years and years ago. Yeah, take another uh, look into it. Read it again because even for like the stuff going down right now in the Siege of Terra books, like there's so much stuff here. That is why all of those books are happening the way they are. It's great. Mm -hmm. Do love a good a good uh, tie-in. So yeah, I'm gonna see. There's only one part left into the book, and this is yep. gonna be another episode. Thank all for listening to the second episode of the Heresy Book Club. The next episode will be released soon, but be either extra long or split up in a fourth one. I don't know yet, so we'll see. Keep on reading, and I'll see you the next time. I would also like to thank our patrons, uh, the Praetor Tier Alexef, Nicholas Quenga, Mr. Baldwick, Jacob Dillon, Matthew Boyce, Joss Phillips, Hardener Triopo, Joe from Music City Heresy, and Chris Mack. Also our Centurion Tier, Green Corswain and Tensor, Minis by Applesauce, Scott LeMay, Andrew N, Black Label Painting, Angry Boy, John Christensen, and Mark Henry. And last but not least, our sergeant here, Nicholas Gillen, Aaron Maynard, Garrett Lowe, Travis Smith, Duncan, and Emily O'Hare. Thank you very much, and you guys are awesome. Thanks for listening to another podcast from the Remembrancers Retreat. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You can also find our swag store at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash rr30k podcast you can also find us on facebook and twitter at rr30k podcast you can follow us on instagram at remembrancers underscore retreat you can also visit our website rr30k.com for podcast updates and the battlefleet heresy compendium you can also leave us a voicemail for us to play on a future podcast at 1929-437-3791 that's 1929-heresy1 and you can also leave us an email at the Retreat at gmail.com. Thanks again.